This is day 59 of our daily Bible reading. We'll be reading 2 Samuel chapter 24, 1 Kings chapters 1 through 4. Lord Heavenly Father, thank you for bringing us here to your presence, to your word, to life itself. And Lord, that we may recognize what it really is and we may seek it with all our hearts. That we would cast aside all weights and sins that entangle us and we would run this race with endurance and without hesitation and without blinders on. That we can just see you for what you are and see the world as you have wanted us to see it. Lord, help us to live in this world of blindness and foolishness that we may not partake of it, but be separate like you've called us to be. Please bless this time in Jesus' name. Amen. Now again, the anger of the Lord burned against Israel, and it incited David against them to say, Go, number Israel and Judah. The king said to Joab, the commander of the army who was with him, Go about now through all the tribes of Israel, from Dan to Beersheba, and register the people, that I may know the number of the people. But Joab said to the king, Now may the Lord your God add to the people a hundred times as many as they are, while the eyes of my lord the king still see. But why does my lord the, lot, the king delight in this thing? Nevertheless, the king's word prevailed against Joab and against the commanders of the army. So Joab and the commanders of the army went out from the presence of the king to register the people of Israel. They crossed the Jordan and camped in Eroer on the right side of the city that is in the middle of the valley of Gad and toward Jazer. Then they came to Gilead and to the land of Tatim Hadshi, and they came to Janjan and around to Sidon, and came to the fortress of Tyre and to all the cities of the Hivites and of the Canaanites. And they went out to the south of Judah to Beersheba. So when they had gone about through the whole land, they came to Jerusalem at the end of nine months and twenty days. And Joab gave the number of the registration of the people to the king. And there were in Israel eight hundred thousand valiant men who drew the sword. And the men of Judah were five hundred thousand men. Now David's heart troubled him after he had numbered the people. So David said to the Lord, I have sinned greatly in what I have done. But now, O Lord, please take away the iniquity of your servant, for I have acted very foolishly. When David arose in the morning, the word of the Lord came to the prophet Gad, David's seer, saying, Go and speak to David. Thus the Lord says, I am offering you three things. Choose for yourself one of them, which I will do to you. So Gad came to David and told him, and said to him, Shall seven years of famine come to you in your land? Or will you flee three months before your foes while they pursue you? Or shall there be three days pestilence in your land? Now consider and see what answer I shall return to him who sent me. 
Then David said to Gad, I am in great distress. Let us now fall into the hand of the Lord, for his mercies are great. But do not let me fall into the hand of man. So the Lord sent a pestilence upon Israel from the morning until the appointed time. And seventy thousand men of the people from Dan to Beersheba died. When the angel stretched out his hand toward Jerusalem to destroy it, the Lord relented from the calamity and said to the angel who destroyed the people, It is enough. Now relax your hand. And the angel of the Lord was by the threshing floor of Aruna the Jebusite. Then David spoke to the Lord when he saw the angel who was striking down the people and said, Behold, it is I who have sinned, and it is I who have done wrong. But these sheep, what have they done? Please let your hand be against me and against my father's house. So Gad came to David that day and said to him, Go up, erect an altar to the Lord on the threshing floor of Arana the Jebusite. David went up according to the word of Gad, just as the Lord had commanded. Arana looked down and saw the king and his servants crossing over toward him. And Arana went out and bowed his face to the ground before the king. Then Arana said, Why has my lord the king come to his servant? And David said, To buy the threshing floor from you, in order to build an altar to the Lord, that the plague may be held back from the people. Arana said to David, Let my lord the king take and offer what is good in his sight. Look, the oxen for the burnt offering, the threshing sledges, and the yokes of the oxen for the wood. Everything, O king, Arana gives to the king. And Arana said to the king, May the Lord your God accept you. However, the king said to Arana, No, but I will surely buy it from you for a price. For I will not offer burnt offering to the Lord my God, which cost me nothing. So David bought the threshing floor and the oxen for fifty shekels of silver. David built there an altar to the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings. Thus the Lord was moved by prayer for the land, and the plague was held back from Israel. Now King David was old, advanced in age, and they covered him with clothes, but he could not keep warm. So his servants said to him, Let them seek a young virgin for my lord the king, and let her attend the king and become his nurse, and let her lie in your bosom that my lord the king may keep warm. So they searched for a beautiful girl throughout all the territory of Israel, and found Abishag the Shunammite, and brought her to the king. The girl was very beautiful, and she became the king's nurse and served him, but the king did not cohabit with her. Now Adonijah, the son of Haggith, exalted himself, saying, I will be king. So he prepared for himself chariots and horsemen with fifty men to run before him. His father had never crossed him at any time by asking, Why have you done so? 
And he was also a very handsome man, and he was born after Absalom. He had conferred with Joab, the son of Zeruiah, and with Abiathar, the priest. And following Adonijah, they helped him. But Zadok, the priest, Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, Nathan, the prophet, Shimei, Ray, and the mighty men who belonged to David were not with Adonijah. Adonijah sacrificed sheep and oxen and fatlings by the stone at Zoeleth, which is beside Enrogel. And he invited all his brothers, the king's sons, and all the men of Judah, the king's servants. But he did not invite Nathan the prophet, Benaiah, the mighty men, and Solomon, his brother. Then Nathan spoke to Bathsheba, the mother of Solomon, saying, Have you not heard that Adonijah, the son of Haggith, has become king, and David our Lord does not know it? So now come, please, let me give you counsel and save your life and the life of your son Solomon. Go at once to King David and say to him, Have you not, my lord, O king, sworn to your maidservant, saying, Surely Solomon your son shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne? Why then has Adonijah become king? Behold, while you were still there speaking with the king, I will come in after you and confirm your words. So Bathsheba went in to the king in the bedroom. Now the king was very old, and Abishag the Shunammite was ministering to the king. Then Bathsheba bowed and prostrated herself before the king. And the king said, What do you wish? She said to him, My lord, you swore to your maidservant by the Lord your God, saying, Surely your son Solomon shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne. Now behold, Adonijah is king, and now, my lord the king, you do not know it. He has sacrificed oxen and fatlings and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the sons of the king and Abiathar the priest and Joab the commander of the army, but he has not invited Solomon your servant. As for you now, my lord the king, the eyes of all Israel are on you, to tell them who shall sit on the throne of my lord the king after him. Otherwise it will come about, as soon as my lord the king sleeps with his fathers, that I and my son Solomon will be considered offenders. Behold, while she was still speaking with the king, Nathan the prophet came in. They told the king, saying, Here is Nathan the prophet. And when he came in before the king, he prostrated himself before the king with his face to the ground. Then Nathan said, My lord the king, have you said Adonijah shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne? For he has gone down today and has sacrificed oxen and fatlings and sheep in abundance, and has invited all the king's sons and the commanders of the army and Abiathar the priest. And behold, they are eating and drinking before him, and they say, Long live King Adonijah. But me, even me, your servant, and Zadok the priest, 
and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and your servant Solomon. He has not invited them. Has this thing been done by the Lord the king? And you have not shown to your servants, who should sit on the throne of my Lord, the king after him? Then King David said, Call Bathsheba to me. And she came into the king's presence and stood before the king. The king vowed and said, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all distress, surely, as I vowed to you by the Lord, the God of Israel, saying, Your son Solomon shall be king after me, and he shall sit on my throne in my place. I will indeed do so this day. Then Bathsheba bowed with her face to the ground and prostrated herself before the king and said, May my lord King David live forever. Then King David said, Call to me Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, and Benaiah the son of Jehoiada. And they came into the king's presence. The king said to them, Take with you the servants of your lord, and have my son Solomon ride on my own mule, and bring him down to Gihon. Let Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet anoint him there as king over Israel, and blow the trumpet and say, Long live King Solomon. Then you shall come up after him, and he shall come and sit on my throne and be king in my place. For I have appointed him to be ruler over Israel and Judah. Benaiah the son of Jehoiada answered the king and said, Amen. Thus may the Lord, the God of my lord the king, say, As the Lord has been with my lord the king, so may he be with Solomon, and make his throne greater than the throne of my lord King David. So Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites, and the Pelethites went down and had Solomon ride on King David's mule and brought him to Gihon. Zadok the priest then took the horn of oil from the tent and anointed Solomon. Then they blew the trumpet, and all the people said, Long live King Solomon. All the people went up after him, and the people were playing on flutes and rejoicing with great joy, so that the earth shook at their noise. Now Adonijah and all the guests who were with him heard it as they finished eating. When Joab heard the sound of the trumpet, he said, Why is the city making such an uproar? While he was still speaking, behold, Jonathan, the son of Abiathar the priest, came. Then Adonijah said, Come in, for you are a valiant man, and bring good news. But Jonathan replied to Adonijah, No, our lord King David has made Solomon king. The king has also set with him Zadok the priest, Nathan the prophet, Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, the Cherethites, and the Pelethites, and they have made him ride on the king's mule. Zadok the priest and Nathan the prophet have anointed him king in Gihon, and they have come up from there rejoicing, so that the city is in an uproar. This is the noise which you have heard. Besides, Solomon 
has even taken his seat on the throne of the kingdom. Moreover, the king's servants came to bless our Lord King David, saying, May your God make the name of Solomon better than your name, and his throne greater than your throne. And the king bowed himself on the bed. The king has also said thus, Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, who has granted one to sit on my throne today, while my own eyes see it. Then all the guests of Adonijah were terrified, and they arose, and each went on his way. And Adonijah was afraid of Solomon, and he arose, went, and took hold of the horns of the altar. Now it was told Solomon, saying, Behold, Adonijah is afraid of King Solomon. For behold, he has taken hold of the horns of the altar, saying, Let King Solomon swear to me today that he will not put his servant to death with the sword. Solomon said, If he is a worthy man, not one of his hairs will fall to the ground. But if his wickedness is found in him, he will die. So King Solomon sent, and they brought him down from the altar. And he came and prostrated himself before King Solomon. And Solomon said to him, Go to your house. As David's time to die drew near, he charged Solomon his son, saying, I am going the way of all the earth. Be strong, therefore, and show yourself a man. Keep the charge of the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to keep his statutes, his commandments, his ordinances, and his testimonies, according to what is written in the law of Moses, that you may succeed in all that you do and wherever you turn, so that the Lord may carry out his promise which he spoke concerning me, saying, If your sons are careful of their way, to walk before me in truth, with all their heart and with all their soul, you shall not lack a man on the throne of Israel. Now you also know what Joab the son of Zeruiah did to me, what he did to the two commanders of the armies of Israel, to Abner the son of Ner, and to Amasa the son of Jether, whom he killed. He also shed the blood of war in peace and he put the blood of war on his belt about his waist, and on his sandals on his feet. So act according to your wisdom, and do not let his gray hair go down to Sheol in peace. But show kindness to the sons of Barzillai the Gileadite, and let them be among those who eat at your table. For they assisted me when I fled from Absalom your brother. Behold, there is with you Shimei, the son of Gera, the Benjamite, of Bahurim. Now it was he who cursed me with a violent curse on the day I went to Mahanaim. But when he came down to me at the Jordan, I swore to him by the Lord, saying, I will not put you to death with the sword. Now therefore do not let him go unpunished, for you are a wise man. And you will know what you ought to do to him. And you will bring his gray hair down to Sheol with blood. 
Then David slept with his fathers and was buried in the city of David. The days that David reigned over Israel were forty years. Seven years he reigned in Hebron, and thirty-three years he reigned in Jerusalem. And Solomon sat on the throne of David his father, and the kingdom was firmly established. Now Adonijah the son of Haggith came to Bathsheba the mother of Solomon, and she said, Do you come peacefully? And he said, Peacefully. Then he said, I have something to say to you. And she said, Speak. So he said, You know that the kingdom was mine, and that all Israel expected me to be king. However, the kingdom has turned about and become my brother's, for it was his from the Lord. Now I am making one request of you. Do not refuse me. And she said to him, Speak. Then he said, Please speak to Solomon the king, for he will not refuse you, that he may give me Abishag the Shunammite as a wife. Bathsheba said, Very well, I will speak to the king for you. So Bathsheba went to King Solomon to speak to him for Adonijah. And the king arose to meet her, bowed before her, and sat on his throne. Then he had a throne set for the king's mother, and she sat on his right. Then she said, I am making one small request of you. Do not refuse me. And the king said to her, Ask my mother, for I will not refuse you. So she said, Let Abishag the Shunammite be given to Adonijah, your brother, as a wife. King Solomon answered and said to his mother, And why are you asking Abishag the Shunammite for Adonijah? Ask for him also the kingdom, for he is my older brother, even for him, for Abiathar the priests, and for Joab the son of Zeruiah. Then King Solomon swore by the Lord, saying, May God do so to me and more also, if Adonijah has not spoken this word against his own life. Now therefore, as the Lord lives, who has established me and set me on the throne of David my father, and who has made me a house as he promised, surely Adonijah shall be put to death today. So King Solomon sent Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, and he fell upon him so that he died. Then to Abiathar the priest, the king said, Go to Anathoth to your own field, for you deserve to die. But I will not put you to death at this time, because you carried the ark of the Lord God before my father David, and because you were afflicted in everything in which my father was afflicted. So Solomon dismissed Abiathar from being priest to the Lord, in order to fulfill the word of the Lord, which he had spoken concerning the house of Eli in Shiloh. Now the news came to Joab, for Joab had followed Adonijah, although he had not followed Absalom. And Joab fled to the tent of the Lord, and took hold of the horns of the altar, 
it was told King Solomon that Joab had fled to the tent of the Lord, and behold, he is beside the altar. Then Solomon sent Benaiah the son of Jehoiada, saying, Go, fall upon him. So Benaiah came to the tent of the Lord and said to him, Thus the king has said, Come out. But he said, No, for I will die here. And Benaiah brought the king word again, saying, Thus spoke Joab, and thus he answered me. The king said to him, Do as he has spoken, and fall upon him, and bury him, that you may remove from me and from my father's house the blood which Joab shed without cause. The Lord will return his blood on his own head, because he fell upon two men more righteous and better than he, and killed them with the sword, while my father David did not know it. Abner, the son of Ner, commander of the army of Israel, and Amasa, the son of Jether, commander of the army of Judah. So shall their blood return on the head of Joab and on the head of his descendants forever. But to David and his descendants and his house and his throne, may there be peace from the Lord forever. Then Benaiah the son of Jehoiada went up and fell upon him and put him to death. And he was buried at his own house in the wilderness. The king appointed Benaiah the son of Jehoiada over the army in his place. And the king appointed Zadok the priest in the place of Abiathar. Now the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Build for yourself a house in Jerusalem and live there, and do not go out from there to any place. For on the day you go out and cross over the brook Kidron, you will know for certain that you will surely die. Your blood shall be on your own head. Shimei then said to the king, This word is good. As my lord the king has said, so your servant will do. So Shimei lived in Jerusalem many days. But it came about at the end of three years that two of the servants of Shimei ran away to Achish, son of Maacah, king of Gath. And they told Shimei, saying, Behold, your servants are in Gath. Then Shimei arose and saddled his donkey and went to Gath to Achish to look for his servants. And Shimei went and brought his servants from Gath. It was told Solomon that Shimei had gone from Jerusalem to Gath and has returned. So the king sent and called for Shimei and said to him, Did I not make you swear by the Lord and solemnly warn you, saying, You will know for certain that on the day you depart and go anywhere, you shall surely die? And you said to me, The word which I have heard is good. Why then have you not kept the oath of the Lord and the command which I have laid on you? The king also said to Shimei, You know all the evil which you acknowledge in your heart, which you did to my father David. Therefore the Lord shall return your evil on your own head. But King Solomon shall be blessed, and the throne of David shall be established before the Lord forever. 
So the king commanded Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, and he went out and fell upon him, so that he died. Thus the kingdom was established in the hands of Solomon. Then Solomon formed a marriage alliance with Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and took Pharaoh's daughter and brought her to the city of David, until he had finished building his own house in the house of the Lord and the wall around Jerusalem. The people were still sacrificing on the high places, because there was no house built for the name of the Lord until those days. Now Solomon loved the Lord, walking in the statutes of his father David, except he sacrificed and burned incense on the high places. The king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there, for that was the great high place. Solomon offered a thousand burnt offerings on that altar. In Gibeon, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream at night, and God said, Ask what you wish me to give you. Then Solomon said, You have shown great loving kindness to your servant David, my father, according as he walked before you in truth and righteousness and uprightness of heart toward you, and you have reserved for him this great loving kindness that you have given him a son to sit on his throne, as it is this day. Now, O Lord my God, you have made your servant king in place of my father David, yet I am but a little child. I do not know how to go out or come in. Your servant is in the midst of your people which you have chosen, a great people which are too many to be numbered or counted. So, Give your servant an understanding heart to judge your people, to discern between good and evil. For who is able to judge this great people of yours? It was pleasing in the sight of the Lord that Solomon had asked this thing. God said to him, Because you have asked this thing and have not asked for yourself, a long life, nor have asked for riches for yourself, nor have you asked for the life of your enemies, but have asked for yourself discernment to understand justice? Behold, I have done according to your words. Behold, I have given you a wise and discerning heart, so that there has been no one like you before you, nor shall one like you arise after you. I have also given you what you have not asked, both riches and honor, so that there will not be any among the kings like you all your days. If you walk in my ways, keeping my statutes and commandments, as your father David walked, then I will prolong your days. Then Solomon awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And he came to Jerusalem and stood before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord and offered burnt offerings and made peace offerings and made a feast for all his servants. Then two women who were harlots came to the king and stood before him. The one woman said, O oh my Lord, this woman and I, and I live in the same house, and I gave birth to a child while she was in the house. 
it happened on the third day after I gave birth, that this woman also gave birth to a child, and we were together. There was no stranger with us in the house, only the two of us in the house. This woman's son died in the night, because she lay on it. So she arose in the middle of the night and took my son from beside me while your maidservant slept, and laid him in her bosom, and laid her dead son in my bosom. When I rose in the morning to nurse my son, behold, he was dead. But when I looked at him carefully in the morning, behold, he was not my son, whom I had borne. Then the other woman said, No, for the living one is my son, and the dead one is your son. But the first woman said, No, for the dead son is your son, and the living one is my son. Thus they spoke before the king. Then the king said, The one says, This is my son who is living, and your son is the dead one. And the other one says, No, for your son is the dead one, and my son is the living one. The king said, Get me a sword. So they brought a sword before the king. The king said, Divide the living child in two, and give half to the one and half to the other. Then the woman whose child was the living one spoke to the king, for she was deeply stirred over her son, and said, O oh, my lord, give her the living child, and by no means kill him. But the other said, He shall be neither mine nor yours. Divide him. Then the king said, Give the first woman the living child, and by no means kill him. She is the mother. When all Israel heard of the judgment which the king had handed down, they feared the king, for they saw that the wisdom of God was in him to administer justice. Now King Solomon was king over all Israel. These were his officials. Azariah, the son of Zadok, was the priest. Eliharef and Ahijah, the sons of Shisha, were secretaries. Jehoshaphat, the son of Ahilud, was the recorder. And Benaiah, the son of Jehoiada, was over the army. And Zadok and Abiathar were priests. And Azariah, the son of Nathan, was over the deputies. And Zabud, the son of Nathan, a priest, was the king's friend. And Ahishar was over the household. And Adoniram, the son of Abda, was over the men subject to forced labor. Solomon had twelve deputies over all Israel, who provided for the king and his household. Each man had to provide for a month in the year. These are their names. Ben-Hur in the hill country of Ephraim, Ben-Dekur in Makaz and Shealbim and Beth-Shemesh and Elonbeth-Hanan, Ben-Hesed in Aruboth, Soko was his and all the land in Hefer, Ben-Abinadab in all the height of Dor, Tapheth the son of Solomon was his wife, Baana the son of Ahilud, and Teanach and Megiddo, and all Bethshean which is beside Zarethan below Jezreel. From Bethshean 
to Abel Mehola, as far as the other side of Jachmium, Ben Geber, and Ramoth Gilead, the towns of Jair, the son of Manasseh, which are in Gilead, were his, the region of Argob, which is in Bashan, sixty great cities with walls and bronze bars were his. Ahinadab, the son of Edo, in Mahanaim. Ahimeaz, in Naphtali. He also married Basemuth, the daughter of Solomon. Beana, the son of Hushai, in Asher and Beloth. Jehoshaphat, the son of Perua, in Issachar. Shimei, the son of Elah, in Benjamin. Geber, the son of Uri, in the land of Gilead, the country of Sion, king of the Amorites, and of Og, king of Bashan. And he was the only deputy who was in the land. Judah and Israel were as numerous as the sand that is on the seashore in abundance. They were eating and drinking and rejoicing. Now Solomon ruled over all the kingdoms from the river to the land of the Philistines, and to the border of Egypt. They brought tribute and served Solomon all the days of his life. Solomon's provision for one day was thirty cores of fine flour and sixty cores of meal, ten fat oxen, twenty pasture-fed oxen, a hundred sheep, besides deer, gazelles, roebucks, and fattened fowl. For he had dominion over everything west of the river, from Tifsa even to Gaza, over all the kings west of the river, and he had peace on all sides around about him. So Judah and Israel lived in safety, every man under his vine and his fig tree, from Dan even to Beersheba, all the days of Solomon. Solomon had 40,000 stalls of horses for his chariots, and 12,000 horsemen. Those deputies provided for King Solomon and all who came to King Solomon's table, each in his month. They left nothing lacking. They also brought barley and straw for the horses and swift steeds to the place where it should be, each according to his charge. Now God gave Solomon wisdom and very great discernment and breadth of mind, like the sand that is on the seashore. Solomon's wisdom surpassed the wisdom of all the sons of the east and all the wisdom of Egypt. For he was wiser than all men, than Ethan the Ezraite, Heman, Calcol, and Darda, the sons of Mahol. And his fame was known in all the surrounding nations. He also spoke 3,000 proverbs, and his songs were 1,005. He spoke of trees, from the cedar that is in Lebanon, even to the hyssop that grows on the wall. He spoke also of animals, and birds, and creeping things, and fish. Men came from all peoples to hear the wisdom of Solomon, from all the kings of the earth who had heard of his wisdom. So much like at the beginning of David's introduction to history here, his end also is met with drama. We go back to 2 Samuel 
chapter 24, and we see that he wanted to do a census of the entire land of Israel. He wanted to number the people. Now, usually a king would do such a thing in order to institute a draft or for the purpose of proper taxation, things like that. But we don't really know too much as to why this is a sin yet. Because there are portions of Samuel and of the kings that we're about to get into that are also part of the Chronicles. And in some ways, you can see them side by side. And the way I've heard it described is like this. The Samuels and the Kings are man's viewpoint on certain things, while the Chronicles are God's viewpoint on some of these things. And so you'll see some comparisons and some side-by-side -side passages of the same situation, but from two different viewpoints, one from man's and one from God's. And it will say in 1 Chronicles chapter 21 that this particular thing was done by Satan prompting David to number the people out of pride. It doesn't say it here, but it does say it in 1 Chronicles chapter 21. So that is why God is angry with David, because David allowed pride to take root. And so I want to number the people so that I can see how awesome I am as a king and how many people I rule over. I want to stroke my ego a bit. And I think Joab caught on to that. And not only that, but as we know about Joab, he resists a lot of the king's requests and his demands. And he's like, why? <laughs> yeah, you need to go number all the people. And he knew this isn't a day trip. It said that at the end of it, it took them nine months and 20 days to number all the people of Israel. That's a long time to do a census. And so he not only did he know that was going to be a monumental task for him to do, but he also was like, why? Why do you want this? Why does my lord the king delight in this thing? I don't understand. Why? The Lord your God has added to you so many people while you're still alive, and yet you still want to number them? But David got his way, and I probably kicking and screaming and begrudgingly did it, but he did it. And then when he saw the results, he knew he had messed up. Now, it's not stated as to why God was angry with Israel, the people. Because he gave David three choices, which is very interesting because God doesn't always do that. But he gave three choices in front of David. You need to pick one of these. But I will let you decide what's going to happen. Very interesting how he's letting David choose what's going to be the destiny of his people. I think that's very interesting. He already knew what David was going to pick, but sadly, all three of these things are, again, going to affect a large number of people. And you can see it in David's reaction to this. He, because he's probably saying to himself, oh, no. Not again. The decision I made is now going to affect so many other people beside me. Even though the sin is mine. 
Now all these people are going to have to suffer because of me. Again, I sinned with Bathsheba, which caused enmity to grow in my house. And now I got foolish and I wanted to do a census. And now people are going to suffer because of me and my sin. Now, it's possible that God went through with this to inflict Israel with plagues and, and disaster in some way because of their lack of support of David when they chose Absalom over him and all these other people that were trying to pit the kingdom against him. Who knows? I don't. It is not really clear about that, but he was given three options. Seven years of famine, three months of running away from all the enemies or being pursued and at war, basically, or three days of extreme pestilence. Get it over with quickly, but it's going to be severe. Now, it doesn't say what David chose in verse 14, but then in verse 15, it says that a pestilence came. So that's what he chose. You can just kind of infer that. And this was not just a simple plague. 70,000 people died. He didn't want to drag this out. He knew that God is merciful. And for three days, he wanted it just to get it over with. If we're gonna, if you have to do something, Lord, just get it over with. I don't want to have the people suffer for seven years, or even for three months. Now you see two acts of mercy here. First, you see God inflict this pestilence, and then He did it for a little while, and then He told the angel that was doing it to stop, because it was enough. You see His mercy there, but also you see where He. Uh, tells David to go to Arana the Jebusite, which was on Mount Moriah. Now, Mount Moriah is a very important place because this is the same Mount Moriah that Abraham took Isaac to to sacrifice him to the Lord. This mountain was there, and David went to this man, Arana, to buy his land. And so he did so in order to sacrifice, according to the word of the Lord, in order to cause this calamity to stop. But then, this is going to be the land where Solomon is going to build the temple. It's the same land. So the temple that we see in modern-day Israel, in Jerusalem, that is Mount Moriah. That is the exact place where Abraham was told to sacrifice Isaac, way before this, and then Solomon built the temple there. So, very cool. This is somewhere ex very specific that we can see even on today's landmarks and maps. So, instead of just being given to him, he bought it for a price. He's like, well, the least I could do is buy it for, for the trouble that I'm causing my people to take ownership. And that's good. And I'm glad he took ownership. Then we come to 1 Kings, and Adonijah is the next in line according to age to be king. And so he just assumed, you know, he exalted himself, it said, based off of pride. And that pride is going to cause his fall because apparently, it doesn't say when, but Solomon was chosen by 
David already to be the next king. So Adonijah was just exalting himself, just thinking that he was the next king simply because of his age. And so he was, again, you see the same example last time, uh, like we had with, with Saul and with David. We have Adonijah on one side, we have Solomon on the other. We have the people's king, Adonijah, and we have God's king, Solomon. And in this place, we see that God's king prevails, and that's Solomon. And you see that some of David's trusted men pick sides. And it's the ones that have sinned against him in the past that have chosen Adonijah. So when Adonijah heard that Solomon was crowned instead of him, he was extremely afraid that he was going to get killed. And so he does something very strange. First off, he goes to the temple and grabs the horns of the altar as a claim of protection. Like he wants, please God, protect me. It's, no, it's not guaranteed, but he's, he's certainly trying. So Adonijah tries to play it cool. He, he acts like he acknowledges Solomon as king. And then he does something very strange. He asks for Abishag, which was part of David's harem, and in some way an inheritor of David's, so that he's somehow integrated into the family still. We know that David had a problem with women, right? We've known this for a very long time. And he, even so much to where, as an old man, he had trouble keeping warm, which is fine. But their answer was, let's throw a young, beautiful woman at him, that he's not going to sleep with her, but she's just going to lay in the bed with him to keep him warm. I mean, why are they feeding his lust? I mean, he that's the one... Fatal flaw we see in David. He's a lustful man. I mean, he's got hundreds of wives and concubines, and now they need another young woman to keep him warm instead of blankets. Yeah, it's, I don't know. But so Adonijah wants this woman because he retains some sort of royal inheritance of some kind. So he's trying to see good for himself. Not necessarily that he wanted just Abishag, even though she was a beautiful woman. He wanted to just have some sort of protection to where he wouldn't be disinherited in, any, in some sort of way, disassociated from the line of David. But Solomon saw right through it, and he had him killed. And then so he decided to go on a, on a manhunt for the people that were against the house of David in the past. So Abiathar the priest, first off, was dismissed from duty. He wasn't killed because he had served faithfully to in the Lord's temple for a while. Joab finally had what was coming to him. He tried to do the same thing. He tried to go into the temple to save himself. It didn't work. Justice was done to him, even though he was a mostly faithful general. So Solomon cleaned house. So that he starts his reign with people that he could trust, as well as any bad blood, any cancerous people that are in his midst have now been removed. And now you can, it is said at the end of these chapters, it is firmly established in Solomon. And then we come to chapter 3, and we know this famous story with Solomon, where God 
meets him in a dream and says, you have a blank check, Solomon. I'm giving you a blank check. You can have anything that you want. And Solomon considers what he already had. You can already tell because it also said in chapter 2, David said that he was a wise man. He hadn't received God's wisdom yet, but he was already wise. And in his wisdom, he made a great choice. Give me more wisdom. I am young. He's not necessarily, he calls himself a little child, but maturity-wise, he's a little child. He's probably in his teenage years, maybe 20 years old. So he's not a little child. But he's like, I am in charge of a whole nation of people. I don't know what to do. Lord, teach me how to govern these people in a way that pleases you. And God loved that he did that. And he's like, you could have asked me for anything. You could have asked me for wealth. You could have asked me for fame. You could have asked me for a long life. Anything in the world. And you asked for wisdom? That was the best thing you could have picked, Solomon. And you know what? Because you chose wisely, I'm going to give you all those other things anyway. There will be no one who will ever exist as a human being who will be wiser than you. And that still stands true today. So now Solomon is extremely wise. And he does his first demonstration of it through these two women that are bickering about this child. He knew that the true mother would defend the life of that little baby. And so he did what he said what he said, drop get me a sword and I'll cut it in half and give half to each one. He knew that the real mother would step up and defend that child's life. And so he did so in order to provoke that. And when the people heard about it, they were afraid of him. They go, oh boy, we better behave ourselves because he's going to see right through us. And then you see chapter 4 um, explaining who his deputies were, who his court was, his officers, you know, how much his territory was, what his daily provisions were, what it was given to him as payment for being king, how much possessions he had, you know, how much his wisdom was, how in that fact he wrote 3,000 proverbs and over 1,000 songs. And what was very interesting as well about Solomon is that he's a scientist because he knows things about plant life. He knows things about animals. And when you read the Ecclesiastes, which is a, a written dictation of a sermon that Solomon gives, you can see so much of the scientist in him. He wants to understand why things are the way they are. And he's, so he's very knowledgeable when it comes to biology. So, very interesting. So now, tomorrow, we're going to be going into the beginning of the temple. The building of it, and we should be able to see the completion of it by the end of that day as well. But until then, thank you for listening. I'm Ryan, and we'll see you next time. Thank you, and God bless you.